Hello and welcome to the Place to Place podcast. I'm Claire Dewhurst, the director of City Nation Place, which is the forum for place brands and place marketing. The idea behind this podcast series is to create a chain of conversations between place branding leaders to give you the opportunity to listen in to honest conversations about their challenges, the solutions they're finding, and the opportunities they're exploring to ensure that their place brand strategies deliver real economic benefits. We're really thrilled that you've chosen to tune in and I hope you enjoy the discussions. So welcome to the next Link in the Chain, episode 10. And yes, I am counting. I'm delighted to welcome back Scott, Scott Beck, Chief Executive of Tourism Toronto. Thanks so much, Scott, for giving us some more of your time. And Scott has asked us to set up a chat with Lynn Lewis-Smith, the Chief Executive Officer of Business Events Sydney. So it's my pleasure to welcome you as well, Lynn. Thanks for joining us. It's been quite a challenge, I know, to get all our time zones to work. I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. I think, Scott, you want to join those dots between tourism and business events. And I and I know that you're going to take the conversation into some really interesting directions. So over to you. Well, thank you very much. And and uh, first off, thank you, um, the State Nation Place, for putting this forum together. I've been a fan of the podcast, and I think your intent of creating the space for more dialogue is is just an incredible opportunity for our industry. And thanks to Lynn for taking the opportunity to join me on this podcast. And I hope you're thinking about who you're going to invite because that 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 was for me it was very easy. I knew exactly what I was going to invite. I've always loved our conversation. So let's let's jump right in. So I think we both consider ourselves lucky to be working in destinations that have a very strategic look at the business event sector in terms of you know not only what it does for us and sort of our teams and and what we do, but how it impacts our respective economic ecosystems. So. How does this focus on business events inform your organization's role in your community and what you do as, as it relates to the programming and elements of your DMO and, and what you're focused on? Great question to kick us off. And, and as you know, yes, we've had some great conversations and there's a lot of synergies between Toronto and Sydney. And I think that's why we always enjoy catching up face-to-face and having a good chat about what's happening in our respective destinations. It is a great question because, you know, what is our purpose at the end of the day? What what do we do as DMOs? And particularly Business Events Sydney focusing just on business events and the international marketplace. For us, it's really emerging in the issues and challenges of our destination. And if I think of the input that we had to the economic blueprint, the 2040 blueprint, which is our state government's roadmap, if you like. And that is what we sort of focus on in terms of uh, alignment of the types of events that we attract to Sydney. Just for the listeners, it might be really interesting for them just to understand a bit about Sydney. So Sydney is a state in New South Wales in Australia. We've got a population of around 8 million people and we contribute around 30% of Australia's GDP. We have a big revenue stream from exports, and those exports have been predominantly fossil fuels and agriculture. And our whole economy is now transitioning to decarbonise and really see ourselves as a renewable superpower. And that means we have to look at different industries and transition from those fossil fuels and coal into these renewables. That's then set us up with about six innovation precincts, and we're really focused on three, one around innovation and tech, one around med tech, and one is called the Aerotropolis. It's where we're building our second international airport and there's space, freight and logistics, advanced manufacturing. So we've looked at the global meetings that rotate 
around the world. There's around 13,000. And we've looked at the events in those industry verticals and the events that are emerging in those emerging industries. And we're bringing the subject matter experts to Sydney to discuss and debate the challenges that we have in transitioning our economy. So that's how we're contributing. And that's leading to investment into social and economic infrastructure. It's leading to trade opportunities in you know, new collar jobs as well in terms of attracting global talent. Uh, and I think it's all about creating value and co-creating value with international clients so you can give back to not only your government and your industry, but your community at large through the productivity gains from hosting these events. So it's, it's pervasive. I'm, it sounds like it's part of research, it's part of the sales processes, every part of sort of have you aligned around this sort of idea of the blueprint and what those target areas were for your community. As you were engaged in the blueprint, and there's another element of, of sort of the leadership you've provided for our industry that I, I've always been just fascinated by. I always attribute it to you. I have no idea if you were the one that made it up, but you can go ahead and run with it if you weren't. This idea of the long tail impact of business events in our communities. I, I remember the first time I heard you say that, I was like, wow, what, what the hell is that? But then also this sounds really cool. And so for you, I know that you've talked about this a lot. So what processes and structures have you put in place to really kind of specifically focus on this long tail impact and how it relates to the overall impact of the business events and, and sort of now what you're doing to institutionalize that long tail impact and talk about it? Because it sounds a lot more than just about room nights. Oh, it's a lot more than room nights, <laughs> definitely. I mean, we're going back nearly 13 years now where we commissioned the University of Technology Sydney to do this massive piece of longitudinal work for us. We actually looked back at around 10 international meetings that Sydney had posted and we surveyed the delegates, the practitioners and the researchers, the event owner, the sponsors and the exhibitors, and we surveyed them quite a way after the event had happened because we wanted to know what what had emerged post the event and not just directly surveying them on satisfaction as the event owners do after every event pretty much, but leave it six to 12 months and then survey and see what the results were. And there was quite clearly five key indicators that came out and what we call the five key legacies. One was around the networking. So Networking had led to collaboration, global collaboration that led to innovation of new products and services. And I'll, I'll just give you an example on this one point because I think this one's so powerful. Professor Ian Fraser was at a conference in Brisbane in 1982 and he met up with a couple of global colleagues and that collaboration led to the vaccine, the cervical cancer vaccine, which has gone on to save millions of young girls and, and women's lives around the world. That came out of that one conference and that conversation that he had with several people from around the world in Brisbane. That the networking, the others around finding solutions to big problems and having the discussion and the debate on the ground at the conference and working through to you know, solve some big, big complex problems. Um, attracting funding and trade investment opportunities came out. Um, number four was influencing public policy. And I've got some great examples we probably can't go into today, but they have led to driving real social change. And the final one is really about professional and personal growth. Each delegate took 
you know, new learnings, tools and techniques back to their personal and professional lives and actually, you know, had an impact on productivity gains back in the workforce. So they're the five key things that came out of the research. And and what we've learned from that is you can actually sit down with a client now with a strategic scorecard to work out, you know, what is it of deep importance? What problems are they trying to solve? And then work through through a scorecard and then measure that post the event. So we're actually doing it specifically with clients and we've commissioned Meet for Impact, which is a, a Canadian company to do a social impact framework piece for us. And we're just undertaking that work now. And we're going to be able to measure more deeply the social impact of hosting events. You know, we're doing other things like working with the Department of Foreign Affairs Trade and making sure that our Indigenous community and our First Nations people and people from the Indo-Pacific are able to come to conferences in Sydney as well because they then take back the new learnings into their developing countries. So there are a couple of the practical things that we're working on at the moment, but there's a menu of things that we have learned and are implementing, but I'm not giving away all my secrets. <laughs> Darn it. And how was this long tail impact conversation? How did you engage the, what I would call the traditional tourism and hospitality community around these long tail impacts? Because I mean, those five things, I, I can see a line of sight, a direct connection to government, university, society, as you talked about influencing public policy. How did you relate those to the sort of the traditional tourism and hospitality industry? It, it's really challenging. I won't deny that because when you're talking to directors of sales and marketing of hotels and convention centers, they're really concerned. Their biggest concern is getting people through their doors and staying in the hotels. And so it's, it is really a continuous process of educating and informing and changing the narrative really changing the conversation that you're having with these individuals on a day-to-day basis. We do lots of forums during the year, and we always bring this research to the fore. The universities, I mean, it's pretty much embedded. They understand. They talk this language before we do. But for the tourism and hospitality industry, it, it's a it's a battle, and I think we've got a long way to go, but we just have to keep educating and informing because this is purpose-driven. What we do these outcomes is why we get up in the morning and we're hoping that we can, you know, change the narrative and the understanding of the true value and how this industry is viewed globally. And you have to start in your own backyard. I would love to see at every international conference that we go to, ICA, you know, Destinations International, PCMA, that the plenary session is about the real purpose of what we do in business events. And it's all about this legacy and impact. Challenge accepted. I will join you in that challenge because I, I, it is sort of sometimes counterintuitive when so many of us came from the tourism and hospitality industry and all the things we love about the communities we live in are defined by those sort of those five metrics that the vibrancy of our, of, of the town, of the cities we live in are, are some defined in those ways. They're not defined by how many hotel rooms we've sold, but they're, it, but that's also important. I'd just like to interrupt this chat for a minute. There's so much to take in and learn from the conversation that you might well welcome a quick break. We're currently planning and building the agenda for the flagship City Nation Place Global Conference. And if you're enjoying listening to the thought leaders in the specialised world of place brands and place marketing, then I'm confident you'll want to be there. 
We'll be in London over the 9th and 10th of November, and you can find out more at citynationplace.com. Our speakers are from places as diverse as Barcelona, Costa Rica, Fiji, Tasmania, and Vancouver Island. So I hope to see you there. Shifting a little bit to sort of the conversations that are, that are going on in our industry right now that are, I think, sort of at their peak in terms of importance around business events. And, you know, I think you and I have shared this idea before where I'm not sure I, I like this idea of what's the new normal. Because I, I, I know that neither of us think empty convention centers the new normal. And that's sort of what has been the normal the past couple of years. And, and I don't find that normal. But certainly what we've gone through has impacted the industry. What impacts from the COVID-19 pandemic do you see as being sort of lasting impacts on the business events industry? The lasting impacts. Maybe I'll just go back one step because I, I do agree the new normal. I think we have to build back better than before. That, that There's no doubt. And what set us up in Sydney really well is we didn't have a convention centre for three years. I don't know if you recall, yeah. but from... 2013 to 16, we demolished our, our convention centre of 25 years. So we had to really reimagine how we were going to perform in the international market and the type of business that we we're going to attract. And so we were pretty prepared for the pandemic in the sense that we knew we could go straight into scenario planning and, and work through all the challenges and make sure that we came out the other end a very different organisation and set a, a fit for the future, basically. But I think I think the challenges for us now is technology has changed everything. So it's always going to be the fallback. You know, we're doing this podcast now, but I can choose whether I go to Destinations International in Toronto or I can view it on the screen. So I choose what I want to see, when I want to see it, who I want to meet, where I want to meet. And technology is an option for me, a real option now. And I think that stickiness in behaviour is going to stay, I think, probably forever. Because I know a lot of corporations now, they're meeting their teams online, but they'll meet their clients face-to-face. So will they choose one conference over another? Will they take their content online? Yeah, I just think that stickiness will stay. and That is what I believe has changed forever. I think from an event owner's perspective, they're looking for co-creation of new and different in destinations. They're really looking for an ease of doing business and smart partners because they've got some big issues and challenges as well and they need destinations to partner with them and mitigate some of the risk of not having the numbers of delegates that have come in the past because of the technology options that are available. And I think one thing that's really coming our way that I'm not sure we're prepared for right now, and it's coming from the corporations, is ESG, so environment, social and governance. I I think this is going to be a big agenda for corporations in in what destinations they choose um, and who is well-prepared from a sustainability perspective to work with them to ensure that they're mitigating and, you know, carbon offsetting and, and the like. I think those few things have changed forever. I look back at how people look at technology as such a disruptor, and, and it is, and a lot of times it, it is simply providing more choices. And I think that was very a very perceptive way of pointing it out, that I can have a little more choice of now how I interact and what and where I spend my time. And I think that's been one of both the biggest benefits of technology and also one of the areas where it has disrupted 
whether that's transportation, whether that's you know, information gathering. And I, I do hope that the idea of the evolution of technology is one of the lasting impacts of, of this pandemic, because I also happen to be one that believes one of the most important things we can do from a sustainability perspective, or one of the most important tools we will have to be more sustainable is technology. It's going to be one of the ways that we're able to do that. And I think as we look at, so what our roles are in the communities as DMOs, you know, I think many of the listeners of this podcast and me being one of them, you know, I work in a space that's both leisure and consumer. That's how a lot of North American DMOs are structured. You, you have a little different perspective and, and you noted this sort of kind of very briefly as you introduced business to that, Cindy, but what advantages do you think there is to having your organization being solely focused on, on business events? I, I see a lot of benefit. I'll come to those, but maybe for the listeners, just to give them a, an insight into how we are structured. We're a not-for-profit company limited by guarantee. We are predominantly funded by the New South Wales government through a number of streams, but we're a membership base as well. So the tourism and hospitality supply chain are members of, of business events, Sydney. Our sole purpose is to secure global meetings for Sydney and those that deliver to the innovation and knowledge economy. And we work with a diverse group of private and public sector stakeholders to do that. Pre-COVID, we were submitting around 100 international bids each year, and we were winning 70% of those and delivering around 200 million Australian dollars a year. So that was a focal point that we really understood our role, our purpose, and what we were to deliver, and only operating in the B2B. So we're really only focused on the business traveller. And so B2B marketing is different to B2C. So we have a sole purpose of focusing on that. And I think we also have the opportunity to, in doing that, is to really highlight the business and innovation brand of Sydney and Australia, whereas the leisure brand is so strong in Australia on the world stage, we almost get overshadowed. So we've got to work harder to get the business and innovation brand out there. And if I'm not sure, it'd be interesting to see what the fight is in, you know, between your two departments within Toronto, because I think there's a, there's a lot of fighting for resources, financial and human resources to do work in one area or, or the other. There is a bit of crossover when you're doing marketing to delegates. Obviously, that could be a B2C component as well as the B2B. But for us, it's really mirroring the client, you know, the destination that we are. And I think the the people that we have working for us aren't traditionally from the tourism industry. They're from vertical, they're from economic development. It's a very different makeup to people that have come from hotels and, you know, we have data scientists and, you know, lots of different types of jobs that aren't represented in the tourism sector. So yeah, I think the independence, the agility, the freedom of decision-making and having an independent board really helps. So we don't have, we have three men, the directors, but majority are independent directors. These are professional non-executive directors across other industries and they bring a lot of value to us as well. I, I love the idea of the ability to focus and, and the way you've defined the impact of business events and the connectivity of the economy and, and all of those factors. I think when you talked about the, the, the battles or the fights, it, it does really come down to resources. And I, I say this with, with a lot of respect for the destination I represent. And you just noted it, the, the destination appeal that Australia has is really high. 
And that is the one area that does sort of help in our space is that, you know, we have, we still have to do a little bit of more work on the destination appeal and those elements flow to B to B to B to C. They, they flow really easy. Those elements of why it's a great place to visit as a, as a leisure visitor or as a business events delegate, if those things do kind of translate very well, but you never have enough. I think that's the biggest struggle. I mean, I know that you never have enough either, but you never have enough to balance the B to C and the B to B worlds because they are, the B to C world is really, you can spend a lot of money and have a little bit of impact. And and conversely, you can spend a little bit of money on the B2B stuff and have a really, really big impact for what they bring to your community. So I have one last question for you. So not, not pandemic aside, let, let's set the pandemic aside. What do you see as the biggest challenge for the global business events industry that we're going to face in the next couple of years? This isn't 10 years from now. This isn't next month. But in the next couple of years, as we cycle back from the impacts of COVID, and, and as you said, as we're building back better, what's our biggest challenge? Well, we've got immediate challenges, obviously, airline capacity, cost of flights, tight labor market, visa. I mean, there's a lot of short-term <laughs> challenges that we need to get get through. Rather than long-term challenges, you know what? I think for me, it's, it is that building back best and not better, and it takes courageous leadership. And I think, you know, if we look at this hundreds of DMOs all around the world, I think we need to take the learnings from the last few years and be ready for the next wave because I think that will be another big challenge. And Chip Conley, I think, was he was the keynote at the yep. DI conference in Toronto and he talked about surfing and, and the waves. And I just think we need to be prepared for the next wave and take the learnings and be really courageous leaders and take a bit of risk. And you have to, if you want to innovate and build back best. So yeah, I, I probably think, I oh, just, you just don't know what's going to come next and just, yeah, be being prepared and be courageous. Well, I can't wait to, I, I feel like a, a groupie, a Lynn Lewis. <laughs> I can't wait to see what you're doing. And I've always appreciated, again, your leadership, but more than anything, your willingness to to share what you've learned and share your perspective. Every time we we talk, I feel mentored and I, I thank you for it immensely. I've enjoyed our time. Thank you for accepting my invitation to be part of this. And I can't wait to hear who you invite and, and what you choose as your topic. So thank you. And again, Claire, thank you for the opportunity to be here and for putting this podcast together as you have done for our industry. Always enjoy speaking to you, Scott. Really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thanks so much, Scott. And thank you, Lynn. Thanks for so generously sharing your thoughts and experience. And we'll be welcoming you back for the next link in this chain of conversations. I'm happy to share with our listeners that you'll be chatting with Rose Wangan-Jones, who is the Managing Director of Marketing, Destination and Commercial with London and Partners, the marketing body for the capital city of the UK. So I look forward to it. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners for spending more time with us. We will see you again next time on the Place to Place podcast.